the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. There will be many who come to Christ. Unfortunately, we're going to see at the end of chapter 16, there will also be many who blaspheme God and they just get angry, which is typical of human reaction. Whenever there is adversity in our lives, we have the opportunity to either run to God or get mad at God. And I'm sure probably to some degree, we've all done a little bit of both, depending on what the adversity was. But the intent behind this is that the adversity would press people to run to God. Tragedy, pain, and heartbreak happen for all sorts of reasons. Part of it is that we still live in a broken world that is full of sinful people. But in today's message, Pastor Gary is going to explore another purpose for all of those things. Sometimes God brings hard things into a life in order to draw that person to himself. What do you do when the hard things come? Do you try to figure it out on your own? Or will you run to the one who can calm the seas and walk on the water? He's waiting with arms wide open. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 16 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. We left off in Revelation chapter 16, talking about the battle of Armageddon. So that's what we're going to focus on entirely tonight. We're going to talk about the end times as it relates to this climatic battle that happens at the end of the age, known as the battle of Armageddon. So so let's pray first, and then we will dive into Revelation chapter 16. Let's pray. Lord, it is good to be in your house. In fact, your word even tells us, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It is, it's good to be here. It's good to just put aside all the other things that clutter our time and our minds and to focus on you and to just draw near to you. So we pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts tonight through your word and that you would minister to us however we need you this evening. Some are here joyful, some are here heavy hearted, And some are here somewhere in between. And we just bring ourselves to you, Lord. We just offer ourselves to you and uh, pray that you would do your good work in our hearts tonight. So be glorified now as we study your word together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. I always want to review our timeline with you so that we can get up to speed. And for those of you who might be with us for the first time, this is a timeline of the book of Revelation. We are focused right in the middle of the timeline right now. The seven years of tribulation, which is detailed for us between chapter 6 and 18, which is obviously where we are in chapter 16 tonight. 
where God has predicted that there will come upon the earth a seven-year period of time, unlike any other period of time, where there will be cataclysmic events and natural disasters and things never seen or experienced or heard before, all because God is going to give a final a wake-up call to a Christ-forsaking, God-rejecting world. And so it, it's some very, very heavy stuff that we read between chapter 6 and 18, just all of the disaster and the death and everything that comes upon the earth. So we have to continually remind ourselves, you know, why would a loving God initiate such wrath upon the earth? And again, it's because this is the final call for all who would come to know him And sometimes those who are at the very end of all of this, who have not up to this point made a decision for Christ, need a louder megaphone. Can anybody relate to that? Right? And this is God's megaphone at the end of the age to wake people up. And he's going to use these very difficult and disastrous events to try to awaken people. And there will be many who come to Christ. Unfortunately, we're going to see at the end of chapter 16, there will also be many who blaspheme God and they just get angry, which is typical of human reaction. Whenever there is adversity in our lives, we have the opportunity to either run to God or get mad at God. And I'm sure probably to some degree, we've all done a little bit of both, depending on what the adversity was. But the intent behind this is that the adversity would press people to run to God. But just as is typical with us, in human nature, we'll see at the end of chapter 16, some will run to God and others will get mad at God and they will blaspheme him. The tribulation period is uh, revealed to us in scripture through a series of three events. The seven seals that are broken, we've talked about that. The seven trumpets that are blown, we've talked about that. We are near the end of the third section, which is seven bowls that are poured out. We are now at bowl number six and bowl number seven tonight. And in chapter 15, verse 7, it tells us what begins, what precipitates these uh, pouring out of the bowls, which reveals another series of God's judgments. And it tells us this in chapter 15, verse 7. Then one of the four living creatures, we're talking about angels, gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. So... Four living creatures give to seven assigned angels each a bowl, and then they pour out these bowls. And as they pour out these bowls in succession, the pouring out of the bowls initiates another series of God's judgments. And these are the last of the series of God's judgments. So we're going to get out of the tribulation here soon. And we're going to get to the return of Christ by chapter 19. And if he comes before we get to chapter 19, that's even better. But then what we see happening through chapter 6 are these bowls. I'm going to run through these real quickly to get to bowl number 6, which is where we left off. The first bowl, ugly and painful sores break out on all who have the mark of the beast. The second bowl is the sea turns into blood. Every living thing in the sea dies. The third bowl is poured out and the rivers and streams become blood. Drinking water is polluted. The fourth bowl is poured out. People are scorched by the intense heat of the sun. The fifth bowl is poured out. Darkness covers the kingdom of the beast. That's the Antichrist. And then we come to the sixth bowl, which is where we left off last time. The Euphrates River dries up. Demons entice kings of the east to wage war against Israel in the valley of Megiddo. And that brings us 
to the battle of Armageddon, which happens uh, there, the gathering of the forces in the valley of Megiddo. So Revelation chapter 16, look with me at verse 12 to 16. It says, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now, the the dragon is Satan, the beast is Antichrist, and then you have the false prophet here. This is the terrible three here. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather. Now, notice that. That's key. To gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Jesus then speaks, verse 15, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered, there's the word again, they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Now, um, just some quick background on the word itself. The word Megiddo appears 12 times in the Old Testament, but only appears once, and even then it's veiled in the New Testament because the word Megiddo is found in the word Armageddon. Only one time that word Armageddon is mentioned anywhere in the entire Bible. We have a lot of fascination. We have a lot of thoughts about what Armageddon might be like, but it only appears one time in the entire Bible. It's right here in Revelation 16, 16. And it is from the words Har Megiddo. And Har Megiddo means hill of Megiddo, and it literally means hill of slaughter. That's what Megiddo means. Har means hill, Megiddo means slaughter, and it is situated along the Jezreel Valley. It is the gathering place for the final world battle against Israel and the God of Israel. And he pointed out in the video that it is the place where these nations assemble. Because what happens is when these demons are released, they entice kings from the east to come and to attack Israel. And it's more than just attacking Israel, it's attacking the God of Israel. And this is anti-Semitism at its worst. It, it is, it is demonic inspired warfare where these nations will converge against Israel. And the Euphrates River is dried up, it tells us here as part of our text. And that enables these armies from the east. We're talking about Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, and then further east in the far east, China, Japan, Korea, coming across the Euphrates River, which is now dried up which formed a natural barrier, otherwise, to attack Israel. And so this is what goes down in, in Armageddon, but it's just the gathering place. The warfare doesn't take place necessarily at Megiddo. It is the gathering place for these armies, and then they will end up marching down towards Jerusalem. And so what starts in the valley of Megiddo ends at the Kidron Valley in Jerusalem. Back in chapter 14, verse 20, it talks about how the blood of the battle will, will rise up to the, the horse's bridles. So the Kidron Valley becomes the bloodbath. Kidron Valley is also known as the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat in Hebrew translates the valley where Yahweh shall judge. Jehoshaphat's name means God shall judge. So the valley of uh, Jehoshaphat, Emech Jehoshaphat, means the valley where Yahweh shall judge. So these nations which gather at Megiddo, which is about 57 miles from Jerusalem, 
end up marching down the Jezreel Valley, merging over into the Kidron Valley or the Valley of Jehoshaphat, and the battle transpires primarily there in Jerusalem. So that's what he meant when he said, you know, in the minds of a lot of people, there's this terrible battle that happens in in, uh, Armageddon there at Megiddo. But it seems to indicate from the text that that's just the gathering place. That's why I emphasize the word twice here. It's not necessarily where the battle itself happens, but it's the gathering place of these, of these armies that come against Israel and the God of Israel. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to read it before you can get there. But Zechariah, if you're taking notes, Zechariah chapter 14, Zechariah the prophet sees this day as well. And he writes this in the first four verses of chapter 14. This is Zechariah 14, 1 through 4. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day... This is Zechariah seeing the return of Christ. Listen, this is Zechariah 14.4. And in that day, his feet, that is Messiah, Jesus, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west. There's going to be a great earthquake. Making a very large valley, half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. So even Zechariah sees it in his day as the Lord shows him what is going to transpire there in the valley of Jehoshaphat or the Kidron Valley. Now, there is a great debate and discussion about how Ezekiel 38 fits with Revelation 16. If you're not familiar with Ezekiel 38, I'm going to read first six verses, and I want to try to sew these two passages together here to help us understand what might be going on. But in Ezekiel chapter 38, Ezekiel has a vision of a major battle against Israel as well. Is this Armageddon that he's writing about, or is it something different? This is what Ezekiel 38, 1-6 says. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws." And lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. And Ezekiel writes here, and he goes on in chapter 38 and into chapter 39, talking about these various nations that come against Israel in the last days. Gog is a title. It is not a location. Gog can also be translated prince or czar. And in this particular case here, Gog is the prince over Magog. Now, uh, Josephus, Pliny, and Herodotus, those ancient historians, all said that Magog was the land of the ancient Scythians. The Scythians lived north of the Black and Caspian Seas. So we're talking Russia. Russia will will take the lead in advancing against Israel. And these other nations that I just read there will join with Russia. It speaks here about Persia. 
Persia is the a- ancient term for Iran. In fact, Persia up until 1935, Iran was called Persia. Before the Islamic Revolution of 1979, Iran was actually an ally to Israel. Iran would sell oil to Israel. Now, of course, Iran is a staunch enemy of Israel and wants its destruction. And we also see playing out in world events that Russia has an alliance with Iran like never before. And so we're seeing some biblical prophecies starting to unfold even before our eyes. Ezekiel speaks here about Russia taking the lead, Persia or Iran with Russia. It also mentions here Ethiopia. Ethiopia is what Ethiopia is today, and the population of Ethiopia is 45% Sunni Muslim. Also, Libya is with Russia. They have a Sunni Muslim population of 97%. And so Libya represents the Islamic states of the Upper Nile region of Africa. Also listed in Ezekiel 38 is Gomer. That's Eastern Europe area of Germany and Poland. It mentions Togarma. That's the region of Turkey and Armenia and Georgia. All those Eastern European nations and to the north of Israel, Russia, Moscow is like due north of Jerusalem, they begin to converge against Israel, and then God steps in. And in Ezekiel 38, it it speaks about how God speaks in to judge those nations who advance against Israel. And I want to read to you the judgment because it sounds very similar to what we're going to read in chapter 16. Now listen to Ezekiel 38, this is verses 18 to 23. And it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord, that my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down. The steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. And thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Now, I want you to compare that with Revelation 16. If you have your Bible still open there to Revelation 16, look at verses 16 through the end of the chapter. This is Revelation 16, again, verse 16. says, And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. And then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. That's 100 pounds. One single hailstone, 100 pounds. Men blasphemed God. This is what I referred to earlier. 
Instead of running to God, men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. In Ezekiel 38, it speaks about God's wrath, the word that is used also in Revelation 16. In Ezekiel 38, when God judges those armies, it talks about a great earthquake. In Revelation 16, it mentions a great earthquake. In Ezekiel 38, God talks about how mountains shall be thrown down. In Revelation 16, he talks about the mountains were not found. In Ezekiel 38, he talks about pestilence. In Revelation 16, he talks about plague. In Ezekiel 38, he talks about great hailstones. And also in Revelation 16, it mentions great hailstones as well. Why why do I draw this comparison? Because it is possible that what we're looking at between Ezekiel 38 and Revelation 16 are not necessarily two distinct wars, but it could be one long military campaign that culminates with Armageddon in the Valley of Jehoshaphat there outside of Jerusalem. In other words, when some people ask me, is Ezekiel 38 Armageddon or not? My answer is yes and no. Well, is it Revelation 16 Armageddon or not? Yes and no. In other words, what transpires over the course of seven years of tribulation, it appears that Ezekiel 38 are armies that form primarily from the west of Israel, in Europe and to the north in Russia and the northern African coast. Those nations come from the west, whereas Revelation 16 speaks about nations that come from the east. So what starts at the beginning of tribulation period, which is what Ezekiel 38 seems to indicate, it starts at the beginning of the tribulation, culminates, escalates, is joined by other armies from the east that then make up this ultimate battle of Armageddon in Revelation chapter 16. In other words, I don't know that we need to, you know, debate about is Ezekiel 38 Armageddon or are these two distinct things? Is one military campaign completely finished and then another one begins? The whole thing could merge together in the same way that what begins at Megiddo ends up down at the Kidron Valley. So what might begin at the beginning of the tribulation could culminate at the end of the tribulation with the battle of Armageddon. If you go back here now to chapter 16, look at verse 15, where Jesus says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Notice that in your Bibles, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. It's interesting that the second coming of Jesus, in relation to both the rapture, when he comes only in the clouds to gather his church first, and in relation to his second coming when he actually comes back to the earth and defeats these armies at the end of the battle of Armageddon, are both referred to as things that happen like a thief in the night. The idea here is that it happens secretively that at the rapture. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 2-4. It says this, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, believers, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. We need to be ready. You know, when a thief breaks into a home, the thief doesn't announce himself in advance. So people are caught off guard. 
But the idea is that when Jesus comes for the church to take the church from the earth and he comes in the clouds, it'll be like a thief to everybody else because it happens in a way that they're unprepared for. But it shouldn't happen in that way for us as believers. We should not be unprepared. We should be ready. We should be prepared. But he returns in a way that is secretive in that sense where other people are caught off guard who aren't prepared for this. Thanks for listening today to Cornerstone Connection. This book of Revelation that you've been studying with Pastor Gary is one that many have studied and analyzed, tried and tried again to pinpoint on a timeline. When will Jesus come? When will these and times events take place? Have they already begun? There are many questions we don't have the answers to, and we won't until they happen. But there are some truths that we can hold on to. These events will happen. Jesus is returning, and he will defeat Satan once and for all. And all those who have made Jesus Lord in their life will be with him for eternity. What a wonderful time that will be. So where does that leave us? It's important to know what's coming so that you can prepare now and trust Jesus for what we don't know. We must give our lives to the Lord, and we need to give others the opportunity to do the same. We're so glad you tuned in for today's study in Revelation. If you'd like to explore more teachings from God's Word that Pastor Gary has shared, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you'll also learn more about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel. Come visit us if you're in the area. All the information you need is at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Join us next time for more here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.